Welcome to the Growing the Green Economy podcast, where every Monday we talk with the innovators, policy leaders, and activists that are leading the transition to a sustainable green economy. I'm your host, Connor Bronsden, political and tech consultant and policy writer. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. You can also listen on YouTube. Today, I'm talking with founder and head of design of House Cosmopolitan, Seattle-based Andrew Grant Houston. I've been following Andrew's work. Actually, I know him as Ace from following his excellent informant of Twitter at The Urban Ace. Highly recommend you follow. He always has innovative ideas to share, such as his vision for a Sound Transit 2040 proposal develops a broad regional map that could be completed by 2040. Um, And that's what we're going to be discussing today. Ace, thanks so much for sitting down with me, and uh, I'm excited to get in depth with you. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me, Connor. I am looking forward to this conversation and just telling you more about what makes me excited about transit. Yeah, and it's really great because I've, you know, I followed your work with Passive House. Ace is actually a, a certified Passive House architect and designer. Um, you know, I've, I've followed your work mm-hmm. about other urbanism topics. And so I, I love this ST2040 vision, which I really see as a, a regional enhancer for developing the Puget Sound, which we both know has 1.8 million people coming to it in the next 30 years. Where did you come up with this ST24 vision? What what inspired you? So I think the biggest part of why I created this vision was really recognizing that we were going to grow very quickly and understanding just the way that process works here. So for those who aren't in the area, we have ballot measures, which are called Sound Transit or ST. Next, or SD2, SD3. And so the next one, of course, is SD4. And so I said, okay, how can we make a comprehensive plan for something that really pushes and really recognizes how many people are actually going to move here in the next 20 years, roughly? And so that's where SD2040 came from. And really trying to create something that was comprehensive and felt like everyone could get behind because we know that it's not just people within our county voting on this. It's also Snohomish, which is to our north, as well as Pierce County to the south. And so getting them on board and trying to create something that could touch as many different places and existing communities as possible was the intent of this. And I think that that idea of stitching together communities and trying to make sure that we have this integration and the the regional backing of it is is really smart. Thank you. It's something that is also potentially possible, assuming we, because we're recording this before the election, we get a Biden administration. Yes, please. Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, one of the big facets of the Biden climate plan is actually investment in clean mass transit for communities of 100,000 people or more. And the Seattle area has at least six cities that are going to qualify for that. And Federal Way will probably meet that after the new Yes. Census. So I think there's a definite opportunity there for funding. In terms of the broader vision, though, it's obviously it's a massive network. Include an image of it in the show notes here. But how how can we go about making this feasible? So I really think that it is about lining things up and making sure that we're ready for investment, like you mentioned in terms of federal funding, as well as even just thinking about state funding. I know one of the biggest challenges within Washington state is actually the requirements as to where gas tax money goes. It has to be used for highways currently, but how do we think about changing that in order to actually use it for other types of transit investment, other ways of moving people in large quantities 
And so the biggest piece for me was really trying to push the conversation by creating something like this, by creating something that was a full comprehensive look at the region, because for a lot of people, I know that they want to see a plan. They want to see some idea of how this is actually going to move forward, but also how they are personally impacted. Because of course, totally, someone is not going to be interested in this kind of plan. And this happens a lot with transit ballot measures when they don't see where they come in. And so that's why I tried to make it as comprehensive as possible and make it as complete. But to get back at the heart of your question, I think it's about organizing mm -hmm. both within the different jurisdictions of the different cities, different towns, even at the county level to support this type of plan or something similar, just to create something that is really what we would love a built out scenario to look like. And then having that completed quickly enough so that once funding ideally comes online, once we do have a more favorable administration to say, okay, well, we already have our plan. We already have the support of our community. We're ready to go. So please just give us some money so we can run with it. Absolutely. And I think what you've done is you've set the terms of the argument, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we know there's going to be a coming ballot measure about San Transit. We know there's some early discussions around that. Let's push that envelope so that folks are saying, okay, we can do this amazing thing instead of saying, okay, let's just do these little additions. And I love that you've done that. Is that something, I think I saw that you did this, something similar for Austin as well when you were living down there? Yes. It was something where in my past and living in Austin, so for those listening, I went to school at the University of Texas and I stayed afterwards. So I lived in Austin just shy of 10 years. And during that time after I got out of school, I was involved with a group called Aura, which started originally just as Austinites for Urban Rail Action and then expanded into essentially anything and everything related to urbanism. But the biggest piece was light rail. And so we were actually part of a coalition that was against the 2016 plan. So there have been multiple types of light rail and efforts to get light rail passed. And we were actually against the 2016 plan. And part of it was this worry that we were going to invest in the wrong starter line. It was clear, at least to us, that the city and we'll say those stakeholders with a lot more money, really wanted to push for this line, even though we knew that if it failed, then the city and residents were not going to be interested in investing in future lines and creating that like the next ST for Austin. Well, that's why I think this is really important what you're doing because of that is you're saying before someone else can come out with something that doesn't actually match what we need, yes. you're saying, okay, let's, let's give this vision for what's possible and then we can cut down from that based off of funding possibilities, based off of, you know, community support in different areas. Mm -hmm. But here's the high goal of what we can reach. And so I love that you, you've gotten ahead of this and, and done exactly what you said we need to do, which is be prepared, set the terms in advance yeah. and next organize around it. In, in line with that, one thing as far as regional growth that I know we've both talked about and I've seen you write about in the past is obviously zoning and how we're creating growth around transit areas. A big feature of the plan you put together is having every Seattleite within a mile of a stop. Yes. How would we need to adjust zoning in Seattle in particular to fully take advantage of these ST2040 lines? So within Seattle, I think it's really taking a hard look at the existing single family only areas and making that conscious decision of, okay, if we're going to invest this much money and time and energy in creating out this fully realized light rail plan, 
that we need to allow more people to actually live near that light rail because it's such an important asset for alternatives to just owning a car. I think to even touch back on the Austin map, part of the reason that I created that one and also this one is because there is always this uh, bad faith argument around do you build the transit first or do you build the housing first? Do you do you say, oh, well, I can't build a transit because it's not dense enough. And then if you're trying right. to build more densely, oh, but it's not being served by transit. So we can actually build more. In my mind, given how long it takes to develop projects, especially in Seattle, where it takes four to six years to just get one building done, we need to already change the land use around where those stops are. I would say probably within a 10 minute walk shed or walk, bike or roll to be able to get to that station to build more densely. But the caveat for me is that Seattleites need to recognize that Seattle is now at the point where everything within the city limits is a city. And so we can't build anywhere in a suburban pattern. And so there needs to be a baseline amount of growth or allowed development to happen, whether that be the four floors and corner stores, whether that be that every lot can build a six flex, but we need to have something that is the baseline and then build on top of that. So when we do have those light rail stations, that's where you build your six to eight story buildings, your mixed use with your, your big grocery stores, apartment stores, that kind of thing. We need to really create these vital centers around where everyone is moving through because that's going to benefit everyone. And I think a great example of that is somewhere like Northgate, where we have a stop that's coming online. Yes. We have the Thornton Creek development that is you know, mixed use. We have the possibility of replacing parts of the mall with more housing. And, and obviously, it's not ideal, but I think there's a lot of positive work being done there. I agree. And while I think we'd both agree that, like, let's say MHA's urban village strategy mm -hmm. doesn't go quite far enough, it's something we can build off of. As far as organizing or next steps around zoning and transit process and the integration between the two, what what's next for you? Well, I think the big one right now, if we're just looking at small battles in the longer war, is around the North 130th station. It seems that station, which wasn't planned to be built and opened until I want to say 2030, is actually going to be built and opened at the same time as the North 145th station. For anyone who understands how transit is developed or not, they were basically going to build out the line and then come back and do the infill station, which would then impact the success of that line. Hopefully now they're going to build it all in one so we don't have to go back and do that. But already looking at the potential urban village that's going to go there because it seems like they're moving in that direction. So to really push that forward and say, yes, we need to have an urban village there. We need to allow for more dense housing directly across the street from a major transit stop and do that as quickly as possible so that people can actually start building the housing of all types of all income spectrums now so that once that light rail station does open, because it probably will open within the next three years, we're getting really close, if not already done with the housing. So those two pieces come online at the same time, and then it will be truly successful. Yeah. And I think to your point, a lot of folks make this kind of bad faith argument of like, oh, we can't line up the housing with the transit. So we have to, we have to wait for one or the other to start coming online before we start doing the other. I think the reality of the situation is particularly in Seattle, where we have a long design review process, a long permitting process, mm. a very strong, you know, not in my backyard, NIMBY element that's trying to stop out any development, that we just have to push these programs and these, these projects forward no matter what. Yes. So I, I love your point about North 130th and saying that we need to just keep this moving. I mean, Sound Transit does a great job defining a vision and plan for what they need to do moving forward. 
But on a local level, we need to continue pushing them to move faster because at this point we are we are behind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're behind where we need to be as a region. Absolutely, and it's not simply just in terms of transit, but we recognize that we have underbuilt housing for so long that. Once you had the sheer just growth in terms of jobs around here, so both Amazon as well as other tech companies, just how quickly they developed and how quickly that has changed. We haven't kept up with that massive investment in jobs and commerce and all the people who are working downtown to match that with people who actually live within the city. And so that's why... Rent has increased so quickly here. That is why everyone is living outside of the city and other parts of the region. And that's part of the reason for something like SD40 is to connect those people, both those who have been displaced and those who have chosen to live outside of the city for other reasons, whether it be to actually own a home or to find something that's closer to other amenities or other things that are more desirable. But to really say, okay, let's take a step back. Let's think about this for just a quick second. Before we move quickly, before we move and push to to try and catch up and do it in a way that is both sustainable, environmentally, as well as economically and socially. And I think your point about people being pushed out of city limits is one that I really feel personally, honestly, from the standpoint of mm-hmm. the last couple of months I've been going, OK, you know, I'm sick of renting an apartment. I, I want to try to buy somewhere. Right. I think that's a, yes. a, a strong long term investment for myself. And the realization I've come to is, OK, I can maybe afford a condo in Seattle, you know, one, maybe two bedroom if I'm lucky. But if I'm looking mm-hmm. to have more space or have a family, it's very hard just to do that. Uh, and realistically, yes. I have to go outside of the city. That's where we need that growth, because otherwise housing prices are just going to continue to go up. I do want to target it on something you said, which is that the region has become a center for economic innovation for places. I mean, Facebook has a huge office here now. Obviously, Microsoft's here. Amazon's here. Yes. All these companies are moving here, trying to take advantage of regional tech talent, trying to take advantage of, frankly, the beautiful place we live mm-hmm. in. And we're behind right now on, on transit and housing. Yes. One of the things that ST3, Sound Transit 3, did is it, it established an innovation fund for trying to increase ridership in unique ways and trying to increase micromobility options. And something I think we should see included in the ST24 or ST4 proposal, whichever's next, is more innovation around micromobility to try to give more access to stops and try to give more opportunities for folks to link between those light rail stations and also to just avoid having as many cars on the road as we're seeing. Do you see ways where we can have a further impact through something like an innovation fund assessed with micromobility? Yes, I do. I think that is part of why I created both the ST plan and then also the SST plan. So that was the Sustainable Seattle Transit. Totally. That recognizing a mile for some people is no big deal. Like for me, I'll walk a mile somewhere. I'll just be like, yeah, we're just going to go over right. here. It's right over there. And it's a 20, 30 minute walk. Well, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but for other people, whether it be if they are fully able-bodied walking or not, a mile is a very long amount of space. And so, yes, let's look at other micromobility options, other means of transit, and just simply moving people around that make them feel like it is much more of a a feasible connection, whether that be through expanding sidewalks. It's a huge need, especially in Seattle. We, I want to say we're missing about a quarter of the blocks in the city or somewhere around 20% that just don't have sidewalks. Something that seems really simple, especially for someone living in another city like Chicago, Los Angeles, New York City, where it's just there. Something as simple as changing from five feet to 10 feet 
just makes a world of difference for people. It's doing those small kinds of moves where we really try and empower individuals to choose to not have a car, to not drive a car to get to the light rail station, right? to find other means is going to make the system stronger overall. And also, I, I would say in some ways, increase safety, because mm-hmm. we know that when pedestrians and cars interact, it's usually not the safest. If I remember correctly, there was actually a pedestrian death yesterday, last night, that happened. And that was a long Rainier. And that's because there has been areas where we have not invested in sidewalks. We have not invested in transit. And it's been a discussion for a long time, right? but it actually hasn't been acted upon. That is the idea behind making maps like this is saying, okay, I know as myself and an organizer that there's only so much rabble rousing that I can do. There's only so much showing up to meetings that I can do without trying to dramatically shift the Overton window. And so by designing something, by using my architecture skills to push the conversation and kick it in the direction that I would love to see that change happen more quickly, that's the reason for doing something like this. I love it. I think your your point about sidewalks is a really good one to consider. And I think it's one extra benefit of what we could do with ST3 or ST4 is that around creation of stops, usually there are mitigation funds that are required to be used to improve the infrastructure in the area. And so yes. part of that is sidewalks. I know my, my parents live up in the North End. And to this day, you know, they've been there for 35 years now, and they still don't have a sidewalk closer than two blocks away from their house. Wow. This is inside the Seattle city limits. And it's, I mean, it really decreases your biking and walking options. Yes, it does. It, it makes it hard. Uh, and until... They're, they're lucky because this year their street was considered a stay safe, stay healthy street. And so it was actually opened, try to like stitch together some of these sidewalkless areas. But I mean, there's just a lot of work to do in Seattle. We, we've been running off this single family model and not really considering other modes of transit other than cars for way too long. So I, I love that you've created yes. this vision. I think it's really fantastic. Well, Ace, th- thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. This has been really interesting and I always love talking to you. Yeah, this has been great, Connor. Yeah, anyone who's listening, I highly encourage you follow the Urban Ace on Twitter. Fantastic stuff coming out there. Always has some new innovative idea. And if you're looking for someone who understands design and passive house and a sustainable building in the Seattle metro area, uh, Ace, anything else you want to say to close out? www.housecosmopolitan.com. And so you can find all my information there as well as the maps. Awesome. Well, Ace, thank you so much. Really looking forward to talking more about ST2040 and the vision for it and looking forward to having you back sometime soon. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you, Connor. Thanks for tuning in to episode one of Growing the Green Economy. I'll be back next Monday with episode two, talking to transit advocate and Lyme director Jonathan Hopkins about the future of transportation and climate change. If you can take 30 seconds to subscribe, share, and leave a review on your podcasting app of choice, it's hugely helpful. Those metrics drive how the show gets discovered, and you taking 30 seconds to support the show means the world to me. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and across social media at Connor Bronsden. Thanks for listening.